Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to HR Work Break. I'm your host, Maddie Collins, editor of HR Daily Advisor. HR Work Break takes a quick but close look at everything human resources. For any HR professional, it's a must listen. I hope you learned something new, take some advice to heart, or simply stay abreast today's trending topics. Now, it's time for a work break. Happy Friday, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Brandon Weber, CEO of Nava Benefits, and Don Sherifan, member of Nava Benefits Advisory Board. Nava Benefits is a cross-functional team of benefits and technology experts on a mission to bring high-quality, affordable health care to all Americans. So recently, Nava Benefits released the Savvy HR Leaders Guide to the Year Ahead to predict up-and-coming benefit trends for 2023. One of the things I noticed in this pamphlet is that NAVA Benefits describes 2023 as the year of new rules. So I was wondering what y'all think is the most important practice for HR pros to embrace in the coming year. I can start, Don. One of the big new rules of engagement it feels like we're entering into is just this need to do more with less. We're entering a kind of an entirely different broad economic paradigm, and the HR teams that we support are already lean. They're already like kind of tight teams with few team members that have taken on over the last couple of years, just major new responsibilities. Like how do we figure out remote and hybrid work on top of your things? How do we figure out mental health for our employees? You know, what's happening with the kind of the great reshuffling of employee talent? I think that that's a kind of a new backdrop that I think will just be even more prevalent in 2023 is this notion of doing more with less, small, lean HR teams being asked to do that. And you kind of ask yourselves, I mean, I ask myself this all the time, in the role that I'm in and my team is in is like, how can you keep asking HR teams to do more with less? I mean, it's just like, when does it stop? And so what are the rules that we talk about a lot? We're going to write a bunch of content about this. We're going to partner with our advisors on trying to get the word out is like lean HR teams are going to have to get expert at getting value out of their vendors and their partners, like really turning the screws on the folks that are meant to support them so that they're getting more out of what they're doing. That includes us as benefits brokerage and kind of benefits partners, as well as all the other benefits vendors that are now in this kind of increasingly complex, you know, soup of benefits that HR teams are pulling together. So that kind of big one is like really extract more value out of your vendors, your partners, so that you can be more effective and a more strategic partner for the C-suite that you work with. That's one of the things. Don, I'm curious what lands from your view. Yeah, and I agree with you. And um, I'll just say, if you are an HR leader listening to this call, HR department of one, like I see you, like it is a tough time right now. I've been doing this work for scarily 20 years now. And it's like, when are we going to stop asking HR to do more with less? I don't know. That's been kind of a theme for a long time. But what I will say is, I know in my career and many of the folks that I work with that are leaders, Sometimes you can be in an HR team and because you are of service to people, a lot of times you can get into a martyrship cycle. Don't do that. Do exactly what Brandon's talking about, which is look to your community, look to your vendors, look to the people that are supporting you. How can you delegate? What does that look like? How can you buttress yourself and your team with other support at a time where maybe you don't have that as strong as internally as you would like, or you had had in the past? And I think it is also this interesting opportunity where depending on what industry you're in, some industries you can't find talent enough, right? Other industries are being rocked by a record number of layoffs. 
So I think uh, it really just depends. I think we're going to see a record number of mergers and acquisitions in 2023 that we haven't seen in a while, especially in that tech space. So as you're merging in, there might be duplication of roles, there might be duplication of benefits, there might be culture that you want to preserve. And what does that look like? And how can your benefits vendor be partners with you in that? And what might that look like? So I think there's a lot of opportunity in 2023 to like rewrite it for what you want it to be. And I'll just say, and I'll only speak for myself, break out of that martyrship cycle of like, I'm going to just do everything and white knuckle it until I pass out and burn out and then just leave the profession, which I'm seeing a lot of HR leaders do after a rough couple of years. Right. And as you were speaking about like leaning on the people around you, I know a lot of HR leaders are looking to have a more active role with their C-suite teams to make sure that initiatives that start with an HR do reach the entire company. Do you have any advice like in that regard and kind of making that step to be more involved while also not burning yourself out? I would just say there's never been a time like now. Like this is the moment. This is the time. When I first started my career back in the age of the dinosaurs with HR, it was like, how do we get our seat at the table? And what does that look like? No, 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 no. HR has the table, the flatware, the recipe, like they have everything now, like there's never a better time. So if you're not having those conversations with your CEO specifically and your C-suite in general, there's not going to be an engraved invitation. This is your moment. Get it. Seize it. Know what you're asking for. Having a very specific request of needs and asks and going, people want to say yes to you, even in tough economic times, but you need to be clear and help them see the vision of where you're going. So slowing down to get clear, clarity of the ask, like this is your moment, this is your time. And quite frankly, I think there's two groups of people that I'm really hearing talk right now. Those that have been through that 2008 recession, those who haven't been through that 2008 recession. And if you have been quote unquote lucky enough to have navigated that 2008 period, you have that experience, some scar tissue, some wisdom that you can pay forward now to your community. And I just really encourage you to do that. And if you haven't, it might be really scary. I was super freaked out in 2008. I get it. And also, this is going to be a huge learning for you in your career forward. So it's like an intense time, but you are going to be that person now that has that calmness in the eye of the storm once you've navigated this. And how you do that is by partnering with that leadership and having a strong hand at the tiller. You got this. Like, this is the moment. There's no engraved invitation. This is it. Oh, that was so good. I mean, you're right. The seat at the table is there. I think maybe just one slightly different kind of perspective. So my perspective as the CEO of my business interacting without my people ops team, one of the biggest things that I think great looks like in like seizing that power is an HR team saying, I want visibility into the goals that we have as a business, into the risks that we have as a business. Help me understand what you're trying to achieve. As a CEO, that's one of the most amazing questions to get from my HR team because that's the visibility they need to be an effective partner. And you're right, there's no engraved invitation. There's just ask that question and that begins the dialogue, which is, Awesome collaboration between, you know, the CEO and and the HR team in a two-way manner. So yeah, big plus one to a lot of what Don said. And it starts with asking the question. Yeah. And so that kind of collaboration and initiative and open lines of communication is something that people should embrace in the coming year. And Don, you'd mentioned we're leaving martyrdom behind. Like we don't need that anymore. So what other 
trends or rules of work or just things you've seen within the HR community do you think are best left in the past at this point? Yeah, it's uh, such 2002 energy, right? (laughs) You know, I think there's a couple of things. I think what we're leaving behind in the past is candidly like a very bull economy where you could have unlimited budget, unlimited hiring, kind of just capricious hiring. Uh, You see so many of these CEOs saying like, oh, I overestimated the economy or I'm sorry, we hired too quickly. I think we're leaving a lot of that behind. My hope is we are bringing forward some slowness and intentionality with growth. And I think you'll start to see those products that have product market fit and products that have real staying power, like last. I think you'll see consolidation, which I talked a little about the M&A. I think you'll see a lot of consolidation in that. And I think in terms of HR specifically, I think there's a lot of opportunity for reskilling and career expansion. So what I love to see is instead of doing a deep layoff, if there's opportunity, how can you reskill your population? If you can't hire folks into your team, how can you give people the opportunity to get that next set of skills that are going to take their career to the next level or that help them evolve to that next stage of business and where we're going, whether that's technology, skill set, or just diversification? That's great. I'll maybe just add one more thing. I think very specific. We're leaving behind a paradigm where kind of business and budget decisions don't need to be kind of deeply substantiated. That is so true. And Don hit it a couple of times. I think when it comes to the world of, you know, benefits, I think that's especially true. I think just return on investment impact is going to need to be there. We're going to have to bring the data to support our conclusions, whether it's growing a team or adding benefits or making changes. Another thing I think we're leaving behind in 2022, and this is a bit of a flashpoint going into the year, is like being non-intentional about the approach to hybrid, remote, in-office work. I think that is that is a rule of the road that I've seen so many organizations kind of go, yeah, we're sort of doing it a little bit, but no one's really given it much thought. I think we're going to need to leave that behind. And every organization that we support and work for is really trying to be intentional and thoughtful about how we approach just the idea. And everyone's going to have a different outcome, but just being intentional about what our you know policy and approach is. I uh, really love that so much, Brandon. And I think it's such a huge, huge theme of 2003. And I think we're seeing a lot of companies swing, you know, like, oh, we we're over here for all remote. Now we're over here. Everyone get back into the office. Oh, maybe it's three days a week. There's a lot of fear in the system right now, I think, with the economy. And so I think that's where you see kind of reactive pieces. And I really appreciated what you said about just the intentionality of what that looks like and how do we support our employees and what that looks like. Because also people may stay because they might not feel like they can move jobs right now, for example, but you're not going to get that level of engagement, that level of productivity that CEOs are really hoping for in this moment as well. So really excellent point. Exactly. Like we've been in person on just Wednesdays for us so far since October. And we've really started trying to like dial in on the optimization of the in-person time. We're still hitting bumps along the road. We're still learning how to do it. But like one of the biggest benefits I've seen personally is like moving from virtual meetings with my boss to in-person meetings with my boss. We're just able to spend more time talking. We don't feel like, oh, we have a 30 minute time limit. We can take as much time as we need to kind of discuss whatever needs to or can be discussed. Yeah. It's like taking a first principles approach. What are we trying to achieve as an organization? What do our specific people need? And then you'll build the plan that works for you. Exactly. And throughout this conversation, we've kind of touched on this looming recession that everyone's anxious about and is kind of like on the horizon. 
as like we're facing this economic downturn, speaking specifically to benefits, how can companies remain cost effective while still addressing their employees' needs? You know, this is the $64,000 question in the world that we operate in with every HR team that we work with, because they're already starting to feel it. You know, they're getting questions from the CFO and the CEO going, hey, how do we reduce costs by 12 to 15%? I mean, like literally hearing exact numbers and then come back to me with a point of view and a plan. This isn't hypothetical or abstract. This is, I think, very real and concrete for the HR teams and people that are probably listening to this. There's a few things that we're kind of trying to do in partnership with the folks that we support and just telling our community to. Number one is I think there's this mindset shift that we need to execute quickly, which is let's start with the data. Let's start by just understanding in the world of benefits, kind of the quantitative and qualitative usage, cost, and satisfaction across the benefits offering that we've got. And so that's gathering some data that I think a lot of HR teams might not have been as close to as they otherwise should, especially in the small and medium-sized employer base. They're just really stretched and it's just hard to go gather it. And then also doing a thing that a lot of folks have not done historically, which is let's run the employee survey and let's actually gather some high quality qualitative data. We believe so deeply in the importance of surveying your employees that we open source the Nava employee survey and we just stuck it online. We said, here's an unbranded version of this. It is so absolutely critical, in our opinion, to get buy-in both from your team at the C-suite level and from the employees. That's like the foundation because like, as we talk about how do we remain cost-effective, we're probably going to have to make decisions about which benefits do we keep, do we double down on, do we add, versus do we turn off. And starting from a data foundation is just so important for everyone involved, both to explain to the C-suite and to the employees on what we did and why. Here's what the data told us. A second thing that is surprisingly powerful for us, or there's a huge opportunity for us when we talk to most employers, is is really so 85 to 90% of your benefit spend is spent on medical health insurance, right? And for many employers that we interact with, the actual design of the medical plans themselves, like how you structure those medical plans, which plans you offer for your demographic, are highly unoptimized for the folks that they're intended for. And so what ends up happening is you have a lot of employees in your organization, if you're one of these employers, where your employees are like overpaying for too much coverage given their needs. And as a result, spending a lot of their paycheck on premiums. And of course, the employer who typically offers a bunch, they're spending a lot for those. So one of the big areas of opportunity for just straight up cost improvement is we look at redesigning your medical plan mix based on your demographic. And then we work on and done, it was all about this, like how do we incentivize your employees to go to the plan that works best for them given their demographic? That's second big component. Without changing a health insurance carrier, without like wildly changing anything around your benefits mix, you can take 5, 10, 15% out of your total cost simply by doing that and redirecting folks to the right spot. Those are kind of two big areas that we're pretty passionate about and are, I wouldn't call them low-hanging fruit, but they're just like high ROI activities in this notion of like benefits cost effectiveness in 2023. I completely agree with everything you said. The additional thought that I had is now's the time to partner with your benefits broker to get really clear on where you want to invest and when you want to value. Don't peanut butter things, right? For example, something that you know I'm personally passionate about, certain things are making sure that there are trans benefits on my medical insurance, right? So I will spend more money there to make sure that that population is supported. 
making sure that PrEP is supported as a general prescription and not a specialty drug. I care about fertility benefits and I might spend a little bit more there. So it's time to get really clear. And then the other thing is when your employees come to you, because every employee is going to want something different. I want pet insurance. I want this. I want that. I want this. All of those things are awesome. I have three cats. I love me some pet insurance, but that might not be where I'm investing in my benefits. So what I can then say is I have a very clear point of view of where we went deep for the benefits and the populations and the employees that we are really supporting. And that comes from employee surveys. That comes from utilization reports. That comes from the data. And so having a really clear point of view and not trying to peanut butter. So then you can go to your employees and say like, you know, we love pets. We love pet insurance, but we're just not doing that right now. But what we are doing is this. And so it's a very yes and approach, I find, and also a very focused and intentional approach. Yeah, it's grounded in the data. What I find is just employees and their families are all generally really rational, smart people. And if you give them grounding and like, here's the why that we made the decision to focus on fewer things and doing them better, they generally understand and are supportive. Yeah. And being able to like talk your employees through where and how it's benefiting them and like how to optimize their own paychecks to cover the benefits that they need. It's so essential. Like I've only been on my own insurance for two years now. This is my second time going through open enrollment, like carrying it on my own. There's a huge learning curve if you don't learn that at a younger age. Yeah. Like the secret is no one learns that at a younger age. I didn't even learn how to do taxes in college. So Brandon taught me 96% of Americans overestimate their ability to understand healthcare, which I was shocked by. And then I started thinking about it. And I can't tell you how many times in my life of open enrollment, being an HR person, my friend at work would just be like, okay, I don't want to read any of this. I don't want to understand. Just tell me what plan to sign up for. It does feel overwhelming. So what can you do as an HR team to just make the communication super simple, that you're targeted and how you're passing along your benefit offerings and you're making it easy for people. And then to the earlier point, you're leveraging your benefit brokers, you're leveraging your community to come in and do some of those educational programs, to talk about it, to use your vendors, what that looks like for folks. Yeah, exactly. And it kind of goes back to like what we were discussing earlier about doing more with less. You don't always need to bulk it on and fluff it up. You can just get down to the brass tacks of things to be truly effective. Reminds me of that Mark Twain quote. I'm going to butcher it. Apologies to Mark Twain. I'm sorry I wrote you such a long letter. I didn't have time to write you a short one, (laughs) which is like, you know, how do you get into the beauty of the editing? It's a lot more difficult to be succinct than to be uh, (laughs) long-winded. I'm guilty of that myself. Addition via subtraction is going to be a theme in 2023. Definitely. So speaking of like the concept of subtraction, out of the entire guide that Nava wrote, Is there any like specific piece of advice or data that you think is truly essential for people hoping to succeed in the new year? There's a bunch of data that we have in there that's really kind of telling the story around healthcare cost increases and their impact disproportionately on small and medium-sized employers, which make up about 55% of all employees in America. So we talk about that. I think that probably the biggest piece of advice and data supporting that advice is I would say, and actually we were just talking about, is that employee education is the hidden key to delivering two big things that are going to matter a lot in 2023, which is return on investment of your benefit dollar and employee satisfaction with their benefits. This is an area that we are betting a large part of our company on. This is one of the things when we talk about HR leaders needing to do more with less in 2023, we want to take on this role of helping to educate your employees with their benefits. 
And the data points are just staggering. I mean, Don just called that one that's my favorite, 96% of Americans overestimate their understanding of health insurance. The next one is over 57% of Americans have received a surprise bill and 20% of them get those bills because they receive care from an out-of-network doctor, usually without even knowing they're out-of-network because they don't understand how networks work and how doctors work and all this stuff. And then in other words, almost 60% of Americans delay making doctor's appointment due to confusion over their insurance plans. Like, how does it even work? Like, what happens if I make this doctor appointment? Do I get charged a thousand bucks or is it covered with a copay? And so I could kind of continue rattling off these different statistics that are basically all pointing to health insurance, health-related benefits, health care is insanely complicated for the average American. And I put myself right in that bucket, that guy who's running a tech-enabled benefits brokerage. And so investing heavily in supporting your employees and their families through the questions that they have, both in enrolling in their benefits and trying to make that optimal decision and in getting help throughout the year as they're trying to make those decisions. Should I go to this doctor? I got a scary medical bill. What does it mean? Should I pay it? Hey, I don't understand how this benefits work. So I don't even know how to take step one. That is a massively undervalued opportunity for HR teams. And frankly, we believe, and we're kind of, this is again, a big bet that we're making at Nava is we believe that it's our job to help those lean HR teams do that. Given that we have deep benefits and healthcare expertise and the relationships with all those different vendors. Anyway, that was a long-winded piece of advice, but the piece of advice is like invest in employee education. And it's this unlock to both return on investment and employee satisfaction. I think people really, really undervalue. Are there any big takeaways that come to mind for you, Don? I would just say I had the experience of getting really sick this summer. And so I got to really... Oh, I'm sorry. That's all right. I'm getting better. But also I had the experience of getting a lot of EOBs, explanation of benefits. I was a heavy user of my benefits this summer. And um, there was a claim I got one time that said, uh, cost of claim, $2 million, your cost, zero. And I was like, oh, thank God. And I will tell you, like, when you, and I consider myself a savvy user and all of this, I probably overestimate, I'm probably in that 96%, but I was so grateful for my insurance and I think I knew what I was doing. And also I got really lucky, right? The number one cause of bankruptcy in America is medical expenses. I think there's a lot of fear in the system of what happens when you don't know what to do. And so people delay care and then that, you know, there's all sorts of things that happen. So what I would say is whatever you can do, and it's such an anxious time in just in general, and I think especially in America, whatever you can do as an employer to reduce the anxiety of your employees, and I think this is a key place, it doesn't cost any money usually. And then what you're doing is also from a business perspective, what you're trying to do is increase utilization within network and proactive healthcare, all that stuff. It's then going to drive down your renewal rates and all that stuff later. So you're actually paying your business self forward you're investing in your future business self. Not only is it just like a nice kind thing to do to help try to reduce anxiety for your employees, but you also are being a savvy business professional. It's like the same way that preventative care and your annual physical and stuff like that, like that's a healthy step to take for your physical health. Going ahead and like setting people up for success is a good business health strategy too. Couldn't agree more. Very well said. Thanks. On a little bit of a lighter note, since this episode airs on Friday, my favorite thing to ask my guests is what are you looking forward to this weekend, be it professional or personal? I am going to have what I hope to be a very, very long brunch with some friends that I have not seen in a long time. Oh, nice. 
I don't like meals to end, but I also uh, grew up in the restaurant industry, so I don't like to camp at tables. So my favorite move is I look at the dessert menu and I order everything on the dessert menu. I'm fairly planning on doing that. And I tip well, you know, for turnover and tables and all of that, but just really seeing some friends that I haven't seen in a long time, being outside, having a great meal and uh, catching up. That's awesome. I hope every single dessert is just like knocking it out of the park. I hope so too. I love it. You're doing it right, Don. For my part, uh, I am. So I live in the mountains now and in Park City, Utah, and it is snowing a ton. So all that rain hitting California, I think, is turning into snow for us. So we're going to do some family ski time. My daughter is 10 months old. We're going to bring her out onto the mountain, walk her around, and just kind of get a feel for the snow, and then hopefully get a few laps in. So that's my that's my big goal for the weekend. Brandon, I didn't know you were in Park City. I grew up part of my time in Park City, and my dad had a restaurant on Main Street. No way. We have many more things to talk about. Oh my God, small world. I hope you have so much fun like on the slopes, and I hope your daughter enjoys like tromping around in the snow as best she can. Me too. I'm trying to incept into her a love for the mountains and the snow. So we'll see. I got to make it fun. Don and Brandon, thank you so much for joining me today. It was really a pleasure speaking with both of you. Great to spend more time with you, Maddie. Thanks for bringing these topics up and shout out to those HR communities that are doing more with less. And may you have an abundant 2023. Yeah, well said. Thank you. You guys as well. Again, I'm Maddie Collins, and thank you for listening. Join us next Friday or whenever you need a work break.